It's 3 a.m. on the East Coast, a beautiful Monday morning, getting ready for the weekend coming up. Real excited about that. And to help you get there, we've got the FWIW furry forecast for you. We're looking at a 40% chance of drama running from Tuesday all the way through to Thursday morning. Floofiness is going to stay pretty even all throughout the week with highs in the mid-griffins and lows only getting down into the upper weasels. Gotta watch out for them. The art count is going to be high this week, so be sure to pack extra tissues with you and keep plenty of hand sanitizer nearby. We've been monitoring that side outage for you, and it looks like it's settling in over for affinity for the foreseeable future. All traffic is advised to redirect around it until they can get that cleared up. Now let's get the show started and hand it over to your hosts, Tail Chaser and Baby Bear. Only on FWIW. Alright, welcome to For What It's Worth, everyone. It is Season 5, Episode 16, and we are talking about Fur Affinity. And of course, the topic is Fur Affinity. No! Learn to read. It says Fur Infinity. Oh my gosh, Tugs. Well, no, no, no. That's called um, not using their name in the show's title, because somehow I feel better at night about it. Well, we want to make it so that people can find us. My gosh. Right. Well, it'll be in the show notes. Hi. Oh, my gosh, Tugs. Wow. So, okay. <laughs> so, Tugs, what have you been up to? I have been up to introducing you. So, I'm Tugs. That's Rue. We should do this every episode. We just started as a, a new tradition. What have I been up to? Uh, well, I was very irresponsible and went and bought a big drone. Not like a little bee, but like a big drone. And I flew it today for the first time. Today was its inaugural flight. And then I immediately proceeded to brick the firmware off the damn thing when it said update me. (laughs) And so for a while, it actually was beeping like it was on a heart monitor. Mm -hmm. And then I retried it and it came back to life. So now all I need to do is go over there and get the SD card out and see what my accidentally 410 feet flight looked like. Nice. Uh, That's going to be awesome. So are you going to be one of those like... Those asshole people that end up taking pictures of the fireworks or whatever. No, no, no. no. What so I'm you actually, have like a little light that's glowing. Oh, that's no, what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to take it to FC and I'm going to have it like look inside all the different hotel windows to see who's who's doing it. And then just like have it watch for a while. It'd be great. Yeah, that would be a great room. <laughs> Fly it over the fursuit parade. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Yeah, that would be that would be great. Um, But the reason I just realized this in telling the story, the reason that it went over 400 feet is because when it when I started the app that (laughs) attaches to the controller, it said, would you like to use Imperial or metric? And I said, well, Imperial. And it said, "Okay, cool. Now, how high is the maximum height that you would like to allow it to go? I put 400 because that's the rule. And then later on, I was looking at the app and it said, your maximum height is 400 meters. So I don't know why it asked me what kind of units I wanted to use if it's just going to use metric. <laughs> I was kind of pissed. So you went really, really far up there. Well, no. I, I, well, there's a little thing, and I saw that it was said 410, and I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> like, it was, that part was definitely in feet. There were, if it was 400 meters in the air, there was no way we could have seen it. We could still see it a little bit, so... Yeah. Anyways, that's what I've been up to. That and enjoying the fact that it's not cold. What about you? Well, I have been bowling with a whole bunch of fursuiters. It was a, it was a lot of fun. Went out there uh, last weekend and uh, suited with a whole bunch of bunch of people. The public loved us. 
It's what a basic furry bowling meat would be. Was this at Fat Cats? Um, yes, it was at Fat Cats. I would love it if there was a second venue. Yeah, it's, it's it would be great. Um, you know, it was it was fun until, of course, they started playing What Does the Fox Say? And then it was, <sighs> yeah. Lovely song. Everybody loves it. And then I've been doing responsible stuff like, you know, doing paying bills and what is, doing things. Why does it say short responsibility crap? What's short about it? Oh, well, I was going to do a little short thing and just basically say, hey, you know, if you don't have funds and you don't have the money to go out and help somebody that and you're trying to go out of town um you know and try to rescue somebody and then all of a sudden you run out of money and um so like you went got somebody brought them back and couldn't afford to support them no no no. so you end up going out to somewhere to go rescue them but you don't have the money to come home to come home i i just want to point something out to you as i know that furries absolutely one of their biggest weakness a lot of them is I love them to death, but sometimes we're a little bit too kind-hearted, and sometimes we need to be a little bit more selfish sometimes. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, if you're going to, um, if you, in other words, I'm the long rant or whatever, you need to make sure that you're in a stable position yourself before you extend help. That's all that I want to say. Wow. What? <laughs> that was for the story. So, you ready for this thing? Let's do the yes, thing. Yes, let's go. <laughs> He's only half eight. It's Rue's cookie time. All right, everybody. Today's cookie is your lost possession will be found within a month. In bed with a cookie. Your lust possession? Your lost possession. Lost possession. Will be found within the month. In bed with a cookie. And an explanation that's two pages long. We hope you enjoyed Potty Break, because we have three wonderful people, hopefully it stays three depending on what the internet decides to do, joining us tonight to discuss the most wonderful favorite topic of the furry fandom. Fur affinity! Yay! So the first person has 13 years of experience in the Bay Area doing software engineering. 13 years, people. That's a long time. So, for take two, tell us your name one more time. Uh, my name is Haku Panther. Yay. I'm a white panther who lives, as mentioned, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, I'm famous for spots and stripe hatred. Uh, I DJ'd a few times, and I wear a fursuit, and I answer questions about awesome. software stuff on the occasional podcast or two. So how did you join the fandom? <laughs> I forget. No, um, I had a, I had a friend uh, through Yu-Gi-Oh. I joined it through Yu-Gi-Oh, weirdly what? enough. I had a, a Yu-Gi-Oh friend 
who who fell into the furry thing, and then he he kind of took me to like a random furry's house. And it turned out really cool, and then I stayed a furry. That was pretty much that was pretty much how I joined the fandom. Is you stayed, through Exodia. You stayed a furry. I stayed a furry. Well, good. Worst decision of my life. Our next guest has six years of information security experience and works as a security expert at a Fortune 100 company. And that would be Panda. So, Panda, tell us about who you are and what you are and how did you join the fandom? You never guess what animal I am. Never, ever he, guess. He's Ice Bear. Panda. Yes, I'm anthropomorphic ice cream. He's a panther. <laughs> he's a panther. Uh, I'm the best type of panda, just a regular old giant bear panda. Um, I've been doing security for a while, as you guys mentioned, and uh, I've been in the fandom for, I guess, 10 plus years and uh, joined back. I was in the anime scene in high school and I was like doing digging the whole mascotting thing. Mm-hmm. And so I would do mascotting and then i was like i like all this cosplay stuff that's pretty cool and so i built ein from cowboy bebop (laughs) as my first fursuit ever and did that and i was just kind of pulled into the fandom through fursuiting and then of course subsequently all of the other craziness haven't you been in the fandom longer than i have i don't know man When, when did you join uh well i think i i think my first membership card arrived in 03 Damn. Oh, three. Yeah. Oh, man. I would say we are around the same time, actually, because it was around. Yeah. I'm, I'm dating myself. Uh, I was a senior in high school in yeah. 2003, yeah. and that's when it was. So for me, oh, the great long ago. I know. So, Panda, in a nutshell, describe your job and how it qualifies you to speak about information and security, um, software security. Yeah. Um, so uh, the what I do for a living is kind of summarized into three kind of things: uh, information security, information assurance, and uh, pen testing. And uh, yes, I literally take pens and I just test them. Ow! Yeah. Why did you do that? No. Ow! <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, uh, so pen testing is the idea that you, let's say, your company is scared about what hackers are doing so let's just pretend we're hackers <laughs> and yeah it's fun and um and then try to hack the company um and then write up a lot of reports about how you got in and then hopefully someone like haku here actually goes and fixes all of the software problems that we find ah uh, maybe and uh, and then normally they don't and then we do it again and we yell more yeah. um really my job consists of a lot of yelling at people about uh, doing silly things, but no, it's actually it's actually pretty fun. It's we we kind of keep up with the uh, latest hot industries trends and uh, different types of malware, different types of attacks, with the objective of making it so the bad guys uh, can't get in quickly, or if they do get in, they can't get much. So pen testing is short for non-fox penetration testing, correct? <laughs> oh my oh, man. goodness! I don't want to touch those ports. Yeah, those ports are filthy. They're kind of scuzzy. Okay. Oh, scuzzy hey, ports. Scuzzy joke. Man, bringing it back. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> All right. And our last guest joins us from the far off land of Germany. Although he's not from Germany, he's from Chicago. 
Our third guest is also a lawyer, and he knows lots about the law. Now, we don't let any lawyer on the show, so you're a special breed. This is Sin, who we have invited on. Tell us about yourself, Sin. Well, uh, I've been since, oh my god, 1997, so that's what. We're having um, I came to the fandom through the proto-internet, like AOL dial-up chat rooms. But, hey, you, you're my kind of nerds. And then there was this thing in this little convention in all that decided they were going to, you know, start up um, kind of a meet. And the rest is history, like like literally history, because I'm that old. I am. Not, we've um, had, we have finally had someone on the show who has been in the fandom longer than me. You're no longer a grafer anymore. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. And and you are Lacey's wise. I'm a fox. I have been one pretty much forever. Um, and foxes are cool again. Have you been Gross. pen tested? Not by panda. Giggity. <laughs> 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 so I'm guessing that you've seen the evolution of the fox species. Were, were foxes always, you know, known to be, I mean, what they are today with everybody else? The starter furry, you know, I the mean, typical stereotypes. Pretty much. Someone's like, wow, you still have your furry training wheels on. I'm like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> he always has his training wheels they on. They have foxes and cuneiform tablets from my camera zombies time where, you know, they're like, mer, mer, but, you know, with a little triangle. I, I, I have a question, Sin. Did foxes say something different back like 10 years ago versus what they say now. What did the fox say 10 years ago? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh. About 10 years ago, the fox was saying, I'm sorry, Joss, we're canceling your show. Oh, too soon. Yay! Never too soon. <laughs> All right. Well, as Rue said, today's topic is fur affinity. So this is how today's show is going to go. We're going to start talking about what fur affinity is. What is it? Who uses it? Why is it so damn popular? And a little bit about the economics of it. Then we're going to get into what's been going on lately. So we are going to actually try and present some facts without getting into all the politics, but that will be later. So for all of you who are listening for the juicy parts, hang on, we'll get there. So to start us off, we have an email. And Tugs, I believe that you actually have that. Yes. So Dronon says, hi, this is Dronon. I'm going to give you some context on why Fur Affinity became so popular. There were a lot of changes from 04 to 06 in terms of where furries could host their art online. There had been several sites in the late 90s, but those had become less useful as the time went on, mostly because of Internet Explorer. Some sites became laggy or poorly maintained with downtime or had limited tools and features, causing them to be used less and less often. There was Furnation, VCL, Yerf, Tiger Den, and the Orlando Furry Archives, plus furry-friendly sites like Site 7 and Elfwood. Sounds like a porno. By the early 2000s, the momentum was gone. Furries began spilling over into other um, non-furry sites to post artwork, and two of these changed the rules, Sheezy Art and Y Gallery, with a shutout of a lot of furry art. This is when Fur Affinity appeared, and since it filled a badly needed niche, everyone in the fandom flocked to it. They had an advantage right out of the gate, and since a lot of furries like having their art in one convenient location, it remained the most popular. For artists that wanted a cleaner site, ArtSpots and JaxPad rose to take Yerf's place, but they didn't get as much traffic. Most artists wanted a less adult venue to showcase their work and started to use DeviantArt or hosted their own site, which had become increasingly easier to do. 
Um, there's also image boards out there like FChan and E621, and for Affinity's administration became an increasing source of drama alongside this. New sites appeared to compete, Ink Bunny, partially to be cup-friendly, and Weasel. IMVU buying for Affinity was the first time an external commercial entity took a significant interest in the fandom. As to the future, one thing is true. Running a furry site is no longer an easy project. It requires a lot of hardware, bandwidth, maintenance, and money, plus dedicated staff to deal with a lot of drama. Holding down a day job, only to come home and deal with drama on a never-ending basis, regardless of what people think of Dragoneer or any of the staff, I wouldn't wish that job on anyone. The less resilient admins would probably burn out pretty quick, and I'm not sure that they would stay. So that's the background that he's presented to us. Awesome. So thank you for sending that email. Um, so we're going to open up with this question. It's very basic. I know it's hard. But what is for affinity? And we'll go with Sin first. So, I mean, for affinity is at its core an art archive that has a social network bolted onto it. Um, you create an account. You search for things you like. You can follow people. You can publish posts of your own. You can upload your own content. Uh, and you can discover. You can search, discover, and connect with people. So it, it, it's, it's sort of like Facebook, but very specifically targeted at one type of user base. And just like Facebook, it likes your information and gives it away. Anyway, next, <laughs> Panda and Haku. How would you guys define for Affinity? For Affinity, other than what it directly is, is also indirectly this kind of social, like, celestial body that has gotten so big under its own gravity. And because there's so many furries already there, it draws in more and more and more. And then you have basically tons of gravity. And so that social gravity keeps you there, even when there's usually maybe a better alternative out there. So Just it like is, Facebook. It is, it, is, it, is a, it is a social network, but because the fandom is a generally more internet-based fandom to begin with, because it's th this technical you know, internet side of things, it is kind of one of those core components of the fandom, whether we like it or not. Yeah, actually, yeah. To, I'd say to that point, uh, also it's kind of like for us, by us. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. people in the community built the website... There's other communities that have been spun up that use like WYSIWYG or downloaded, a, you know, like APIs and just like slap something on the internet. But this was kind of like homegrown and built up to really kind of cater to our community. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of why it's got a lot of charm in it, you know. There is a lot so of charm on it. So, Haku, what's your... Thanks, Wiggles. Thanks for adding that, Tugs. No problem. Uh, <laughs> Haku, what's your thoughts on this? Well, he told not, us. Not... Uh, on what? The, uh, the security issues? or He already defined it for us. Oh, Ask I am him so who sorry. uses it. So... We, we work together. We're like, we're like a team. Yeah. So, yeah, who uses um, for Affinity? And we'll go ahead and start with Haku and Panda, and then we'll move over. I would say, I mean, I've been using it for the last 10 years, uh, even before I got into the security work, whoops, uh, as, uh, as we'll talk about later, but um, I've been using it for 10 years. I have the username Panda on there. Hit me up. Um, I've, you know, I, I, love, I love the service. Uh, it does a good job, but it does have its downfalls, and, uh, you know, there's, it's kind of like everything has its give and takes. But who specifically is the, like the users audience. of it? 
Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm kind of being... No, you're absent. fine. It's cool. This is NPR. We're going to play the whole thing anyway. Oh, wow. I'll uh, the blooper reel at the end. I know. Uh, no, I would say, I mean, the users definitely are, of course, furries, uh, generally speaking. Um, there are, obviously, I think it's originally was catered... I mean, Haku, you can probably help me out with this. Yeah. Generally catered towards artists and then kind of uh, me, people like me, a.k.a. posers, a.k.a. non-artists, uh, came in there like favoriting a whole bunch of other people's stuff and buying things and reposting uh, it, stuff. It, it, it certainly uh, that's what got people to jump over in the first place was the artists kind of spearheaded that back in uh, you know in the before times. So because yeah. the artists were the ones getting booted off the more general social networking sites, yeah. and so yeah, I think it's, it's definitely. Um, I, I would say the the in a way the primary users of FA are the artists be it, you know, draw, drawing or fursuit makers. Actually, even now, I mean, again, I don't want to sound like a spokesman or anything, but, you know, it's not only just artists, right? It's also the uh, music guys. They have, like, you can upload music and stuff yes, to it. Yes, yeah, the, the creatives. The creatives yeah. kind of are the glue. And then us useless peons that don't create anything are kind of the... The people that cause the site to go down from all, from all of our load, you know. F- cool, gross. Ninety-nine <laughs> percent of FA is for the people not creating anything. <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, it's it, it 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 exists because a lot of the creative types went to the site because it was a friendly place for them to post their work, and as a result, you know, if you build it, people will show up. And the furries did, you know, all, all of all of those of us who don't, cre- you know, who are not creators, but are basically consumers of, of creative content showed up and were like, hey, this is great. All of our stuff, all of the stuff we like is in one place. So let's let's stay. And, and that's that's pretty much what happened. What's happened. It's accreted this user base over the years. That's going to be really difficult to dislodge. But why do you guys find that overall, I mean, there's tons and tons of art sites out there out in the web. I mean, why do you guys think that um, Fur Affinity has grown in so much in popularity? Well, you know, it was there for the furries, by furries. And it was, as far as I'm aware, one of the first ones that was, you know, a modern, uh, a relatively modern website in terms of what it offered, what it offered its user base. And so people stuck with it, and now you know everyone is on for affinity because everyone is on for affinity. It, it's it's just sort of become tautological. I mean, to 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 kind of further that point, I think uh, we've seen for affinity go up and down. I mean, again, it's as as was mentioned by the um, the viewer who who sent the email. You know, it's kind of it's all managed and run by a group of volunteers. And those volunteers have real jobs and real lives outside of managing a website. And so, you know, uh, even even when we see outages and downtime, it's interesting that um, it's always kind of stood the test of time with other services that have kind of like came up at the same time that there was an outage. Um, it's interesting to see that. I don't know if more recent developments will see transition away from it. Uh, FA or not, but um, it's hard. The only time will tell, really. But I think the artists will be the ones to determine that. As long as the artists continue to go there, users will t- continue to go there as well. And similarly, as long as there continues to be the biggest user base, the artists will keep going because that's where they're going to find the audience. 
And Haku, what's your thoughts? I don't even remember the question anymore. Wonderful, because um, this is a good segue. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Sin brings up a good point about the artists. Now, for Affinity, I think everyone would agree, is a bit of an economic engine. Is there anyone who would say it's not? Good. So Kara sent us an email about it. And this is what she said. It's a bit long, so I'm going to have to skim read it. She says, hello, guys, it's Kira the Kitsune. I don't know why she spelled it that way here. And I thought I would throw in my thoughts on F.A. It is May 25th, 2016. And as right now, I've been waiting for 53 hours on a response to my user information recovery email. I am not happy. I am well aware that F.A. has been attacked many times over the last three years. And all that has happened is that it has led to the site failing for a day or two and maybe a week. And this was fine. I did not fuss because at the time it took them to get back up, I knew I wouldn't miss anything because no one can get on the site anyway. But this time it's different. My account is sitting there and I can't get to it. I can't change the password and I can't change the email attached to it. I can't do anything and anyone who has access to the information that was leaked from the site can grab my account, start to use it, and I can't stop it. They could destroy my business and FA staff has yet to answer my email when I was one of the first to send an email. I understand that they're getting thousands of emails at this time, but that doesn't excuse them from answering other people's emails before mine if they were sent after mine. FA has never had a good track record when it comes to code. It's had problems and glitches, and it's been ridiculed for who they choose to work with for coding and who owns it. I understand this, and maybe it is my fault that I'm suffering with this when I signed up for it, perhaps. But FA's been good to me. It's a good site. It's easy to customize your journals and your descriptions and your profile to make you stand out. The people who are on the site are there for the art, and they were there to buy art and sell art. It's easy to do that because that's what the site became known and used for. I've made a lot of money with FA, and it used me, or it used me, the money helped me to fix the roof of my house, marry my husband, oh, I got married, by the way, buy food at times, and pay for my luxuries, aka Netflix. I'm hesitant to leave it because I don't feel safe there anymore. As soon as I get access to my account, I'm going to leave journals and submissions of where I'm going and leave to other websites. I've read comments and uh, on the only journal that FA's released about it. As some people didn't know the attacks were going on or that the reset was going to happen. The previous information that had told us passwords and usernames had not been compromised, so we had no reason to worry. It wasn't until the reset that I found out that not only my accounts, but any and all of their accounts on other websites that may have had the same email attached with the same password would be vulnerable. The worst part is that I did have a valid and updated email address. I had just changed it last year, but due to FA's faulty code, I'm locked out of my account due to an error with my email. And what about the people who log on to FA only every, every couple of months? They're not going to know what's going on. Any whore, I need to stop ranting. Love you guys, and I'm sorry I've been written in so long. Signed, Kira, the now-married Kitsune. Hey. Well, first of all, I want to just say congratulations. That's awesome news. Yeah, it is. So this is an interesting thing that I've noticed is that artists are freaking out about F.A. because they make their money through it. The thing about this whole situation is it's not like F.A. has set up something specifically with guarantees and all this other stuff that you have when you're engaging in commerce. And now they're acting like F.A. owes them. But I've, I haven't paid for an F.A. membership. Have you, Rue? No, I haven't paid for an F.A. membership at all. It's a free subscription. Right. So I wanted to get everyone's thoughts on that. We're going to start with Panda and Haku. You two can fight to the death for who gets to go first. Haku, you take it, man. You're, you're like edging at the computer. <laughs> um, I think F.A. is uh, definitely caught, greases a lot of palms with the, you know what I mean? It, uh, it, is, it is definitely a, a lot. Of, I know a lot of people's income source 
and they're not paying for it. You know what I mean? I know artists that have probably like let's let's take you know a popular fursuit maker probably made well over six figures you know making fursuits and you know paid FA for none of that. Yeah, uh, I mean uh, the, the type of site that FA is is is, is you know definitely in the four to five figures a month running that thing depending on what exactly they're doing so it's really expensive on their end yeah not only i mean not only is it going to be costly from the administrative perspective but like there's really no and i don't want to i don't obviously mean to offend anybody by this but um if you look at fa's user agreements and everything like they don't they don't claim um that they can offer reliability um, on their code or services. Uh, unfortunately, there are other services that try to offer those claims, but you have to pay for those services. Like, for instance, uh, doesn't I think DeviantArt is kind of a good example um, of a solution that that kind of you know you have to pay for. You get some sort of standard and costs. It costs money because they offer a little bit higher quality, um, but. Um, yeah, I mean, there's some other points in the in the caller or the emailer that uh, I actually wrote notes about, but I can get to those later. Okay. But uh, do you guys feel then that artists are in a position to complain that suddenly their income source has been cut off when there was no guarantee to be begin with? I think they have a, a valid right to complain. Um, you know, the, there's an expectation of their site working and stuff. Um, if if you know, if if an interruptible income stream was something that was important to them, then they might look into having their you know images on other other services in addition to FA maybe. But yeah. but you know, I think they have a right to be upset, but they're not paying customers necessarily. It's a challenging problem. FA makes money because they have ads, and they make they have a revenue source. Uh, albeit probably not much money, probably not probably not enough to pay all of their bills, but they still make money. Um, people have come to expect this service to provide them everything they need, and it's unfortunately not providing those services. And so people people will get upset, and I think they have every right to be upset. I get upset when things don't work, of course, um, but at the same time, people are trying to work on it. Unfortunately. I mean, this here's the here's the sheer raw facts of it. You have a volunteer task force of systems administrators with one guy who's gotten paid, and I'm, I hate to say it, but I mean, e even with the smallest website, one person can't fix everything. And yes, they have a lot of deficiencies that people have mentioned um, in terms of like code bases and stuff. We'll talk about later, but. Uh, it's still a very challenging problem because there's it's all volunteer except for uh, a limited number of folks. At least, again, this is based on the knowledge that I have. I don't have much background knowledge, so it's really I hate to say it, but I don't have it. I don't have a good answer for site reliability. Do you guys feel that? Yeah, I mean, go ahead, go ahead. On the one hand, you know, people have an expect you know you know people have an expectation that this platform that builds itself as a place for artists and their customers to connect with each other will work. On the other hand, like you know, I, I think what what people have to understand is that you get what you pay for. Um, the site is free to use. This, you know, 
the site has never really, until very recently, built itself as any kind of, I, I think, you know, professional project. It, you know, it's, it's always been someone's side project. Hey, um, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I had, a, I had a question for you, since you know more about legal stuff than I. If, let's say, like a service like Gmail, which is free to its users, goes down, mm -hmm. but Gmail is used uh, for somebody to do their business transactions, does the individual have the right to, like, sue? A lot of it depends on what's in the user agreement. Um, you know, almost any free service will say that they are available what is called as is and as available. So when you, when, when you promote a commercial service, um, regardless of whether you charge money for it, there are... You know there are some there there are some expectations that go along with it that uh, are are sort of built into the law in most states and what you can do and what anyone you know what any what 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 a lot of free services will do is they will disclaim a lot of those and say you know you know we don't we don't provide those um, we're not gonna we're making no promises as to you know it's you know things like availability and and quality. Uh, because this is free, and so you're using it as is and as available. Do you think that it would be better if Fur Affinity had some sort of like a, a tier system or something and had a guarantee for those people that were paying? Um, I mean, they could. It would, it's, it would be a question of whether or not they can, you know, the, they can afford to do that. You know? but I think the, the acquisition of, of Fur Affinity by IMVU, which is... You know, commercially, you know, a business enterprise, and you know, it's, you know, running to make money. I think you know, may, you know, adds adds some interesting wrinkles to this from sort of a, you know, a, a consumer expectation point of view. So, but this is an interesting. Then again, thing. they haven't really changed anything yet. Um, I just wanted um, to point out what you know. You said uh, but you know, to, to, to that point, I think that. He's having a hard go ahead. Time here. Sorry, I think we're having some lag there, too. Good thing we have tons of markers today. Um, so I just wanted to point out that um, in Fur Affinity's Terms of Service, the last item says, Fur Affinity services are provided on an as-is and as-available basis. We do not warranty our services are, or content, and you release us from liability concerning. And I find it interesting that they went and said, this is the things, these are the things that we won't be liable for. Disputes between you and other users, acts of third parties, unauthorized access by anyone to data, communications relating to or content stored under your account, links posted by users, and issues relating to occurrences that happen at any face-to-face -face meeting that was organized on FA or by FA unless expressly disclosed in writing that FA is sponsoring the event. Right. And if you think about FA as a platform where other people can go and do things... That makes a lot of sense, you know. Um, FA is not FA is is very rarely the publisher of any content that goes across its goes across its website, and so you know they are they I think are justifiably saying we're providing the means for you to for for you the users to do stuff, and therefore what you do is sort of on you. All right, with that, I think that it's time for us to go to our first break.
Hailing frequencies open, Smokescale Aquatus here with another round of news for you. Just like the last two, we've got another part of the press interview with Buzz Aldrin. The final part, in fact. You can hear him totally school me on my Keep Looking Up outro. I think I'll keep using Keep Looking Up and only switch over once I feel like I've earned it. Anyway, as of Friday, June 3rd, here are your space headlines. SpaceX successfully launches and lands another Falcon 9, putting a communication satellite into geotransfer orbit for TICOM. The Antares rocket successfully passes a hold-down fire test, putting it one step closer to return to flight. NASA and Bigelow successfully inflate the beam on ISS after pausing it briefly due to concerns brought up by noises during the initial inflation. New crew for future expeditions of the ISS were announced, including Canada's third astronaut and a German commander. That's all for now. If you want to know more about these and other stories, check them out in the usual places. For now, though, the final piece of the press interview with Buzz Aldrin. Thanks again, Tugs, for making this possible. I think uh, science fiction probably puts a, uh, a boundary that is a guess as to include not just slow, ordinary progress. That's not very thrilling. It's got to include some uh, bizarre things that may be like that rare metal that I know about. I'm not sure. It's called unobtainium. That main means it doesn't exist. So that's what gives warp speed. I wrote science fiction, and and uh, the writer and I we used zero point energy. That's a known term. Arthur Clarke congratulated us, and uh, that's not a very sexy name. And then I learned a little bit more from a good friend of mine about gravity waves and how you could go from one star to another, sort of like surfing with a different gravity in front, different gravity behind. And uh, so when uh, we make a TV or a movie out of my outstanding science fiction story, better than Star Wars, better than almost anything. Um, because it has reality. It's fixed in reality. And what it does show thousands of years ago is very, very probable events and their advancement. And what do you know? They visited us and then find we were not tolerable because of our diseases. So they had to leave. And then we figured out how to go where they came from. Logically exciting. Has to change our plans, but it's uh, cemented in reality. And yet it goes. Gravity waves from Alpha Centauri to here, and everything that we talk about is, is real world stuff. That's what we need. We need that for young people to see more reality. Okay, she's trying to. Oh, and so you obviously have a place fixed in history forever, and but you are also really active. No, I'm, I'm about to modify oh. it. Okay, <laughs> uh, you're about to modify it. I hope so. Okay. Well, you you still have a you are uh, building more history. That but anyway, you were you were in the history books for everything yeah, you're doing, uh, and and you're also really active with. You know, Facebook and Twitter, and um, you were on Dancing with the Stars and 30 Rock. Um, uh, how has the Simpsons? Yeah, how how? Boy in the plastic <laughs> bubble. 
How do you feel like your role has changed and how have you embraced your position in pop culture? Uh, I'm trying to be, we used the term a while back, you probably don't use it anymore. Hip, slick, and cool. Mm-hmm. You use that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hip. Well, I don't know. Got tired of shaving. Too. <laughs> I have a question for you. Okay, you guys are down to one minute. We have one minute left. I'm trying to look your age, <laughs> not mine. I have a question right now. Why do you do Yeah. Why do them <laughs> for public consumption that I am an active person willing to do things way out of my field uh, because people may wonder, oh, is he still alive? I wonder what he's doing today. I'm not a very good golfer. Uh, But I'm doing things that are so thrilling to me. Creativity, innovative, can't tell you how satisfying that is to feel that you have thought beyond what other people are thinking. And just recently I modified my plan so that other countries that we're going to compete with, we won't just cooperate, we're going to help. And with our help that will help us at Mars, they will be able to do things at the moon much simpler than Apollo with Apollo orbit or lunar orbit rendezvous, which was uh, quite a, uh, an enabling uh, decision. But really, we have even better things coming, and they're they're not fantastic, and they're not. Warp speed, thank goodness. They're re- very realistic <clears throat> and they're very timely by bringing people together for human spaceflight, low Earth orbit, and beyond <coughs> human spaceflight, peaceful purposes. It can bring everyone together. We're not sharing. Uh, ballistic missile guidance. Can we have you say, keep looking up, space fans? Can we have you say, keep looking up, space fans? Like to the sky, keep looking up, space fans. No dream is too Buckminster Fuller taught me a lesson. It's not up and down, it's out and back. Thank you very much for coming, guys. So, keep looking outward. This is Timot Grizzly from Southern California, a land of beautiful cars and fantastic drives. And you are listening to For What It's Worth. give out a great big thanks for Grizzly for that ident. Timid Grizzly. It's Timid Grizzly. 
thank you for that ident. That was awesome. I didn't. I know, but Sin said it right. That didn't sound like a Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going back and we're diving back into the topic of fur affinity, and we're going to be discussing the fun security part. The fun of fur part. Affinity. So we have an email from Smokey. Now you just heard him tell you about stars in the sky and all that fun stuff, but he also still sends us emails. So here's what he said. Hey there, cast of Fua. Smoke scale here. I thought I'd toss an email your way on the whole Fa situation, and he doesn't mean noodles. The following is my opinion on the matter. To be clear at the beginning, I'm not going to discuss or speculate on matters involving character, ethics, or morals of the staff. There's plenty going around about all that, and I don't intend to add to that pile. In fact, I'm only going to specifically reference material that we can all agree on to be fact, or at least a reasonable assumption. So, let's go over the basics. F.A. is widely accepted to be the biggest, most heavily used site in the furry fandom. F.A. is a central hub for all kinds of activity in the community, including commerce. As such, F.A. represents an important hub for the furry economy, for lack of a better term. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of people whose sole means of income is their artistic ability and use F.A. as a means of conducting business to make a living. F.A. therefore has a responsibility to maintain, to the best of their ability, security and stability of service. I believe we can all agree on these as either facts or reasonable assumptions. So taking that into account, the recent downtime has been rather detrimental to so many people needing the site in order to make their living. I've seen several artists firsthand panicking at the fact that they could no longer access commission details from their notes. A pretty good argument for taking discussions of communications off-site, or sorry, commissions off-site, maybe to email or some other more secure means. And this isn't the first time. There have been several takedowns, either through malicious act, hardware failure, or the site, staff, or provider being unprepared for traffic. That last one was more an issue during the early years as the site grew beyond its beginnings. Some of this can be forgiven and some of it can't. Given the size and importance of the site, I'd expect greater care be taken, a greater degree of professionalism of the staff to guard against malicious takedowns, and also do what they can to prevent hardware failure. For malicious attacks, an ounce of prevention versus a pound of cure is important. People have been crying out for better security for some time, and it's finally reared its ugly head rather strongly. The staff has been scrambling to put more security in place. With my limited knowledge of how that works, I'm only left to be told by others how effective it will or will not be, and many of them are emotionally biased one way or the other, so I can't get a clear and biased read. However, I can say this with extraordinary certainty. The site was hacked by a malicious third party. They took advantage of lax security and outdated coding we have been promised would be updated and replaced with something stronger. I would hope this has taught everyone who uses FA some valuable lessons. 1. Don't use it as the only place where you keep important commission details. 2. More sensitive discussions as well as personal private information should be taken off-site. 3. Have a secondary archive on another site. There are plenty of alternatives. 4. He wrote this in all caps. Do not use the same password for multiple sites. In fact, you should change your password on a regular basis. You as the user are on notice. FA is not as secure as we thought. It's now your job to protect yourself given that knowledge. In the insurance industry, that's called mitigating your damage. What does that mean? It means you have to fix the broken water line in your wall once you're aware of it, instead of just letting it sit there and flood your house, waiting for the guy who broke it to come fix it, and yelling about how bad it is that they don't fix anything. FA has a history of takedowns and breaches. They have to regain our trust, if that's possible. What do you intend to do now that you know? Signed, Smokey. All right, I'm deferring over to our security and programming experts to respond first. Wow, that's a good, I mean, first of all, good comments. 
from the uh, emailer. This is Panda, of course. Um, I think that um, there are some valid points in there. Um, there are definitely, and Haku can talk about this too, uh, issues with potential issues with um, uh, source code and repositories in terms of the way that this site is architected. It is kind of closed source versus being an open source product. Um, and Haku can probably go into the differences between that. But um, that right there limits the ability for third parties to audit the code. And given that back in my day, uh, uh, FA used to be even worse, worsely trolled by um, uh, like something awful in other places, uh, they've seen their fair share of, uh, of takedowns and, and hacks because the code hasn't really been audited and hasn't been inspected by the legion of volunteers that probably would love to help. Um, but I mean, I don't know. Again, I, obviously, I don't speak for FA, nor, nor are they here to defend themselves. So, I mean, really, it's kind of up to them to respond to that claim of kind of being open about their source or maybe having people come and investigate and look at their code base. Um, with the latest hack, um, there is a very specific timeline that occurred with the hack, at least based on the documentation provided by Dragoneer and others uh, online. And I can go into that at greater detail whenever you'd like, but um, I'm going to pass it to Haku about the... Like, what do you think? Like, do you think that opening the source up and having it be audited by third parties, you know, having well, like development reviews would be good. To, to rewind a bit, your your data is your own business first, meaning oh. that, that, that you need to make sure that if you have something hella important, that it's in more than one location and in the proper location. Oh, and, and actually to that point, anything you put on the internet anywhere is public. Like don't, don't, don't confuse the internet for private, including Dropbox and other backup tools. I mean, uh, everything has I mean, Oh, yeah. I would, uh, to be straight and, and to not have a tinfoil hat on, uh, if you have something you truly do not want anyone to know about, you do not let it leave your computer, like, leave your internet. You know what I mean? Like, it stays on, on a device not attached to the internet. But to be a different point, there are, you know, there are, there are lots of ways, basically, safety starts with you. Uh, you know, make sure that you're not putting yourself in a position when something else goes bad out of your control that you're absolutely boned, which the person mentioned was mitigating uh, mitigating disaster or whatever in that email. Um, you know, as the person said, you know, different passwords on different sites and making sure that you have backups yeah. and more than one backup in some cases if it's particularly important, you know. Um, and so it starts with you. And then as, as Panda was saying, um, as far as open source versus closed source, open source stuff does tend to be more secure because it is you know completely naked for everyone to inspect. Peer reviewed. Peer reviewed. It is peer reviewed, generally speaking. It's, yeah. um, you know, uh, it's peer reviewed, and, and to me, it's generally safer. That's why you, know, you, you hear about security breaches on Windows, you know, Countless times in the last 20 years, and not as many on Linux, for example, or even Mac, as far as, you know, OS-level breaches. To be fair, though, if, if FA decided tomorrow to make it open source, it would be hell on earth. Uh, just because you would have this open source gambit of everybody looking at the code, and then there'd be this huge legion of people that are going to try to find exploits in that code before the patches are in place and then exploit the site. So they're kind of like 
they're in a real they're in a rock and a hard place right now. Um, if they were to do a, a code review, if they had like a version 2.0 that was completely built independently with with not a shared code base, then I feel like it'd probably be a little bit easier for them to do that. I don't know what you think. What's your thoughts? Well, you know, I think that we have. I think that we have to remember that if you run an online service, you are going to get breached. It's just it is going to happen. All right, so Panda, go ahead and tell us. You've been compiling some data here. So kind of give us a timeline of what's been going on with Fur Affinity as far as their security challenges. Sure. So we're, we're going to focus on particularly the latest security threat and the one that, of course, probably spawned this topic, which was this the recent uh, hack of Fur Affinity. And uh, I'll try to be quick about it, but um, this vulnerability, it's really interesting how how fast things move. So to put it in perspective for your users, you know, I as a security engineer have to be on top of security vulnerabilities at an hourly or sub-hourly basis. There's a lot of vulnerabilities that come out and we need to address them immediately or else people will start using them immediately against whatever resources that are vulnerable, right? And so to kind of give you some background here for this case, on April 21st, 2016, a security, vulner uh, security vulnerability researcher by the name of Stewie uh, noted to the mail.ru security team a vulnerability in Image Magic. Image Magic is a uh, image processing tool used on servers to manipulate and edit images that are being uploaded onto the server. To to put it at a high level, it does a lot of other things too. Um, after that, on April 30th, so nine days later, Image Magic version 6.9.9 was released, which partially fixed the vulnerability. Um, on May 1st, the Image Magic vulnerability fix was uh, informed to the Image Magic staff, was kind of pushed out more publicly. And then on May 3rd, 4 a.m., ImageMagic staff the public notice and fix uh, uh, to uh, the vulnerability. So to put that in perspective, yeah, so like two weeks. So, you know, a security researcher found it April 21st. Uh, it was publicly disclosed to the Internet, everybody, on May 3rd at 4 a.m. And the reason why I say 4 a.m. is because according to my uh, notes, oh, and then, of course, um, May May 4th, which is the next day, May 3rd at 4 a.m., May 4th, it was given, the phone was given a cute name called Image Tragic. Oh, no. pun on its actual name, Image Magic. So what's interesting is that the release was May 3rd. FA was breached, at least to their knowledge, on May 4th. So one day between public disclosure of the vulnerability and the day that the vulnerability was leveraged to attack the site. Uh, but FA was not aware of the breach until May 5th. So once they once they became aware of the website, or once they became aware of the breach on May 5th, they patched it. It's a really easy patch to apply. Um, and they did. But unfortunately, once you're in, the first thing you want to do is you want to start pivoting and you want to start um, obtaining additional access. Uh, because once you once you, if you get in with vulnerability X, you want to start building in backdoors and other methods for you to maintain access. That's the first thing you want to do once you obtain access is to 
maintain access. So my assumption, and this is all assumption, is that outside of them being aware of the vulnerability, the security, the, the, the individuals either dump the data then or set up other backdoors to allow themselves access at a slower interval that was less detected. Um, so a few weeks passed from May 5th until May 17th at 1 a.m., which is when FA was notified that uh, individuals were passing out USB thumb drives at BLFC containing FA's source code. Again, noting that FA's source code is closed source, so no, one, no one's really seen it except for a limited number of folks. What's interesting is that within less than 12 hours, so from 1 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on May 17th to 11.44 a.m. May 17th, the site was attacked again, deleting submissions, user data, watch information, and the site was taken offline. On May 18th, the site was brought back online based on a full backup from May 11th. But again, there's problems with that backup potentially because if, if, you're, if you're someone who got in on May 4th, you're going to put in backdoors between the period of May 4th to May 11th. I would think so. And then you're going to potentially back up to a state which could have a vulnerability in it. And then on May 20th, so May 18th, May 20th, the site was put in lockdown as analysis showed that password, email, and user data was exfiltrated. Uh, 1.2 million email addresses were exposed. Uh, and then the last little thing that's interesting is on May 24th, uh, a database was found um, on Tor with a really slick user interface. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to give you the Tor link, but I'm sure you can find it. Uh, and this Tor link gives you the ability to look up the username of a given user and find their corresponding initial uh, user uh, initial email that they signed up with, as well as their currently assigned email address. So what that tells us is that they have an active copy of the database dump, because they would also tell you conveniently if your password hash, which a password hash is, is in essence not your password per se, but a a manipulated version of your password, it's which a kind of a one-way one encryption. Encrypt, yeah, well, in a way. In essence. And uh, they would they would match that with any other user. So the, the objective is, is that that little snippet of data tells us that the method that was used to create the hashes did not create unique hashes per user, but at a site level. So for instance, if if Haku here and I shared a really crappy password password, the hash would be the same for both of our user accounts, albeit the site did implement, at least they stated, uh, they implemented a salt, which means that it would not be a stand, it would be a little bit harder for somebody externally to um, come up with the actual password that associates with that hash. I know it's a lot of data there. Um, I'm sure there's questions, but that's the generalized timeline. So the, the next question um, for the both of you then is, um, let's talk about the preventability before and after IMVU's acquisition. How preventable was this? I mean, I don't know how you quantify that, but take your best shot. I mean, from my perspective, I actually, uh, I mean, fortunately, you know, working for a larger company, you get notification of these things early. 
I was very fortunate in terms of getting notification when the uh, vulnerability patch was released on April 30th, so before the public disclosure, um, which is good and convenient uh, because then I can, as a security engineer, leverage that to push people to patch the critical items that are exposed or facing the internet. But in terms of a smaller site that doesn't have those capabilities to have a security team, there are a few things that systems administrators can do um, to reduce their exposure. And some of those things are, for instance, Im implementing sandboxes. Um, I'm sure people can Google these terms. I don't want to go into too much detail, but uh, the idea is that you would take these small, discrete operations that your site is doing, and you would compartmentalize those operations such that if one block of the of the site is compromised, it doesn't compromise all of the site. For example, you could give, put all the DMs on one server and all the image information, more or less, and all the stuff that can get access to the image information on another server. So if an individual server gets on, you know, they maybe get access to the just the images. Or, or, less yeah. likely. Yeah, less, less likely. likely yeah. um, the other thing that's really popular is called least privilege. And so if you imagine a web server as Haku, I'm going to imagine you as He's like sitting right next Hello, to me. Oh, I'm F.A. Yeah, he's he's FA. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I'm down now. I'm sad. Oh, I've crashed. So if, if I ask Haku for something, he's not. If I ask Haku to make me a sandwich right now, go fuck yourself. He's not gonna. He's saying he's saying that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, if I ask him to make me a sandwich, he can say yes or no, right? Um, but if I am an administrator, if he's a computer and I'm an administrator, or if I have elevated privileges, I can force him to make me that sandwich, right? And so the objective with least privilege is that all these discrete components would have very, very, very limited purview and access levels across the entire system. And so well, the way that would work in the case of Image Magic is that you would only allow Image Magic to have access to a specific directory or two directories. Uh, so that it couldn't elevate its privileges out to becoming um, a system user. To, to take that further, if I was designing a, a scalable site like this, I would have, for example, only one machine or one group of machines in charge of dealing with the image uploads to begin with or the image manipulation. So only that machine would have image magic on it. So if I had, you know, other other sections of the site that don't need image magic, those those in this case would have been protected as well if they were compartmentalized. Yeah. And for the uh, for the nerds in the audience, um, I'm sure that are biting at the chomp. There's probably a billion other things they can do. Of course, I know this. Everyone knows this. We have limited time. But SE Linux is also really great. That's uh, that's a kernel module that you can install to kind of make it so that every single thing that a computer does, you have to accept or deny. Systems administrators hate it because it's it's really 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 hard to use. But if implemented correctly, actually, uh, Android uses it in their operating system. Um, if you implement it correctly, it can actually prevent a lot of problems. But so, so those are things that systems administrators can do for running servers and what you know server administrators can do in terms of users. Um, you have to kind of give websites however much data you feel comfortable giving them. Uh, a site like FA, you know, you may not feel comfortable giving them potentially your social security number or something because they, what's the use of them having it, right? So just keep in mind from a user's perspective, limit, limit the exposure as much as possible. 
And just because just because there's a form field that says you need to provide something doesn't always mean you have to. Um, also, the idea of password management was mentioned by another user. Um, and the first caller mentioned that they could have all of their passwords compromised because they had used one password. This, there's a lot of really cool tools out there uh, if you Google password management tools that reduce your risk. So there is risk in having a password management tool because you have a key in essence that unlocks a whole bunch of other keys. But the net gains of having a password management tool are, are far, far um, more beneficial than the net detriments of having a password management tool. And so with that tool, for instance, when FA, you know, as a person, when I heard about the FA vulnerability and FA hack, I didn't sweat it because the password that associates to FA is only that for FA. And no other way, no other place that I'm on the internet shares that password. So it also generates not guessable passwords usually. Yeah, makes sense. You know, I mean, statistically speaking, it could generate one, two, three, four, five, I suppose. But. Well, I mean, you, you, you <laughs> could set, set specific rules, too. But yeah, I, I, uh, I use uh, LastPass for my password management generation. I like, I like LastPass. I, 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 didn't want, I wanted to be version or, or software agnostic, so I have a list of a few. Uh, LastPass, which has a free version. KeepPass, K-E-E-P-A-S-S-X. Is a free one. The one password is amazing on Macintoshes. It's not free. Dashline, which has a free version, I have not used that. And uh, Sticky Password, which also has a free version, I have not used that. That's a cool name. I like that name. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, I mean, there's a lot of data I went over here. Um, I've got a few other things, but I want to pass it back to our our uh, our DJs. Uh, <laughs> anything, awesome. Anything? Well, hey, I have a I have a follow up question here. Do you guys feel that IMVU buying FA changed the preventability of what happened? Um, from from my understanding, um, from what I've heard, and this is this is hearsay, is that FA when they were purchased by MVU basically said, we need these servers, and MVU, IMVU, whatever you want to call it, um, sent those servers out, and, and there's not a whole lot of, of direct hands-on-ness with the IT team at MVU versus the IT team, or whatever you want to call it, of FA. Um, that's what I heard. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, that being said, the, the public knowledge of the image tragic and, like, the time FA actually found out about it and and patched it was what twelve hours you said? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's pr that's pretty for for someone who's a running even myself. I didn't patch my site that quickly. I actually did not patch it remotely near that time. So I mean, that's 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 a really hard thing to ask for someone ask of what I believe is still a semi autonomous team, you know, to be on top of. Uh, so in a way, I don't think Inview because they're kind of loose, I don't think they had any effect on it. I think this would have happened had InView owned FA or not. That's what it seems like to me. It seems completely independent. So you're you're of the opinion then that because InView bought them, they wouldn't have standardized any of the IT practices. They just left it alone. Well, that's from what I have heard, and I could be wrong, and, and I'm sure people will correct me if I am wrong, but from what I heard, the FA's IT practices are pretty distinct from InView's uh, practices. Okay. So because that they're distinct, I don't think it's as much InView's fault as perhaps 
FAs, but even then I say to fall loosely because I wouldn't have been on top of that as quickly unless, you know, I was on, you know, security lists and stuff that were sending this out, but I'm not. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are a lot of other, uh, in terms of security and security models, there's a lot of other models that exist. But the problem, again, the problem FA has is it's so, it's, I don't, and I don't want to say this as a, as a detriment, but it is old. So it's got an archaic model. It's got a really archaic model, and that archaic model doesn't really like help with keeping the site up all the time. So, like a good idea, for instance, is um, so Netflix, right? Everyone uses Netflix. Uh, I'm sure you guys do it all the time, yeah, yeah. Netflix. I love Netflix yep. and chill. Yeah, Netflix and chill, right? Crunchyroll and uh, never mind. So Netflix <laughs> made something awesome. They made a thing called. Um, Oh God! It's called oh, Crash God? Pong, I think, or something. I can't. Oh gosh, I cannot remember the name. But I and I'm sure I'll be corrected on this. Uh, I should look it up. But in essence, they built a tool which will just literally go and take servers offline randomly in their data center. And the reason why they do this is because for two reasons. One, you know, if 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 there's like hardware failures or whatever, then they don't have to feel like as worried about those problems. Uh, because they can do this testing in an environment that's safe and see how their environment responds when they pull the power on things. And two, it makes it so that their servers act more ephemerally, meaning that they they don't really, it doesn't matter like what the server is doing because you can just rebuild it at any time. So having that like dynamic nature of the servers helps keep it up to date faster. I'm sure there's a lot of legacy stuff in FA's systems that probably makes it susceptible to other types of attacks. And just so that non, non-tech non people out there, legacy just means older systems, not quite as modern. Um, yeah, so, so sorry. So we're going to shift gears here, and we're going to ask Sin some questions, which are basically what kind of obligations and what kind of legal exposure does FA have in this sort of a situation? So basically what any service provider is generally required to do is to take what's called a reasonable and appropriate level of care of other people's data. Um, and so it's not, you know, we, you know, here in the United States, we don't really have, you know, hard standards, at least at a federal level. Um, and so you, you really have a sliding scale. Um, you know, the more sophisticated uh, you are and the more resources you have in general, the 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 more the more robust your safeguards need to be, and so I don't know that I necessarily agree that you know the 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 IMVU purchase of FA didn't really change anything. I think that you know now you know right now we're sort of in the, the in the beginning stages of this relationship, um, but over time uh, as 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 IMVU's ownership becomes more and more established. Uh, and this relationship goes on and on. I think that the um, the the increase in potential in available resources from from being part of a larger enterprise could actually mean that what was reasonable and appropriate before isn't you know isn't going to cut it anymore. Um, you know what? So what? You know what? What regulators look for? You know, like like the Federal Trade Commission or or state regulators like the uh, different attorney generals is is they want to know that you're. They want to know that you're doing something that is 
that is programmatic, that is that's repeatable, and that's that's auditable. And so, you know, when something happens, what what these what these agencies d- tend to do is they they they, they investigate and they want to know they, they want to know what you you know what you um, the the website or the company is doing uh, in order to protect data. And if they if if they conclude you know, in your, your general level of sophistication, um, then you can get in some trouble. Okay, see, that makes that makes plenty of sense. So, it's kind. Of, it sounds like what you're saying is basically that this is just a really, really gray area. Yeah, um, I mean, there are a lot of things that small businesses can do in order to to anticipate and and reduce these kind of risks. You know, one of them. You know, one of them I think is move to the cloud. Uh, if you don't think you can keep your your servers or your data centers secure and up to date, buy space on someone else's. You know, um, Amazon Web Services runs the entire internet. Uh, there's also Azure and Google Cloud Platform and any number of others. Um, and that's these you know that's these folks' businesses. That's 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 their that's their livelihood. And you know, when you go to the cloud, you can you can select a cloud provider that will. <clears throat> that that will take on the that burden of of doing all these things that Panda and Haku are talking about, in terms of you know detecting vulnerabilities and and you know basically keeping the infrastructure that your site is running on secure. What other you know it's really hard to ask some of these questions, but what kind of other legal things, I mean, should we be aware of when this sort of thing happens? Are there any other interesting legal facets that we might not be aware of as far as this breach? I mean, in terms of other things to be aware of, you know, um, it really depends on what the site is. So, you know, FA isn't the site where we put up, where we necessarily put up a lot of sensitive, you know, information. You know, they don't, fortunately, uh, take payments. You know, everyone uses PayPal or some other service, basically some other offsite service. Um, you know, so, you know, really, what, what are you looking, what, what, what you're looking for in a situation like this is, are you at risk of identity theft? Based on the information that was stolen from from the site, um, you know, so if you think about you know any attack, you have to think about what motivates the attacker to to actually hack in the first place. You know, a few years ago, that was to get credit card numbers. So if, if anyone remembers having a PlayStation, um, you know, uh, everyone's credit card everyone's credit card numbers were stolen if they were associated with the PlayStation network account. Um, you know, t- these days I think that you know credit cards aren't worth that much anymore uh, on the black market. You know, they 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 don't you know they they don't last very long. Um, you know, the cons- you know consumer protections are pretty robust, so a stolen credit card number isn't really worth very much. On the other hand, um, personal information that enables identity theft is worth a lot more because you know you have to think about you know you have to think about what the interest of the hacker is. In in large enterprises like you know big companies like Target or or like like Anthem, uh, the the health insurance company, if you read if you read up on what people stole, a lot of times they're stealing information that can be used to impersonate other people. Um, you know they're looking for for names and pay grades and things like that, and they're not they're not looking to to you know steal your credit card number or or you know run up fraudulent charges. They're looking to impersonate you in order to gain access to some to, to something else that's valuable, and so, you know, on a site like like FA, I don't know that's that I I don't think that's that's, that's really this you know really the risk here, 
but you know some people you know some people may have information on there that you know if stolen could expose them to identity theft and the way to the way to deal with that is is to to Panda's point don't put a lot of information on there uh, that 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 doesn't need to be there. So I've I've heard reports that someone or a couple of people have had their PayPal accounts compromised because the password was the same between the two, which was not the greatest move, obviously. Actually, well, I, if I can chime in um, really quick, um, I made an account like six years ago solely to squat on a name of the persona I was thinking about doing, and I never used the name, but I did create an email account on Gmail that that was only used on FA. And with a password that was only used on FA, and I got a contact email from from Google saying that this account was accessed from this IP from China, blah blah blah. And this account was only only FA knew about this email address, and only FA had that that account's password too. So if you had used your password on FA, they know what that password is. You need to change it. You need on all, not on FA, but everywhere else, because I guarantee you they've they've reversed that hash for for the most part, right? Yeah. I mean, if so, your password is a million characters long, generating the uh, hash collisions to to get that password hash is yeah. going to be very hard. But if if you're if you have a normal human sized password, you know what I mean. Something like yeah, on, like you know, under, character. You, you're probably going to want to change because I, you know, for a throwaway account, I wasn't safe because I didn't care, and and I ended up paying for it. Fortunately, on that throwaway. Yeah. So. So if someone's so PayPal can... account is taken, is there is there an increased responsibility on on um, FA's part though? Can you repeat that? You broke up a little bit. Oh, sorry. If if someone's PayPal account is taken. Because the password was the same between FA and PayPal, is that is um, FA possibly at more risk in that situation? I don't think so. Um, if someone's PayPal account is stolen because they 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 used a shared password, that's you know that's kind of on them to reach out to PayPal and or or whatever other payment service they're using, and and make sure they report that right away. Um, if your FA password was used on any other kind of site that might have access to financial information, whether that's PayPal or your bank or, you know, a credit card company, whatever that is, you need to, you know, you need to reach out to those companies. You should reach out to those companies quite, you know, you know, right away and explain what's happened, change your passwords on all of them. Um, and you may also want to consider putting a security freeze on your credit report. Um, in the U.S., we have these three large companies, Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion, that basically collect a bunch of consumer information about what we buy and, and how we pay our bills uh, and generate a credit score. And that, that information is used to determine a lot of stuff about us, uh, from whether we get a car loan to, in some cases, whether we can get a job. And so um, those companies have, have services where if you, think that, that if you think that something has happened that puts you at risk of identity theft, uh, you can call them and put a free, you can call them or you can use a website and, and put a freeze on your, your credit so that any attempt, you know, basically 
what what that'll do is that will prevent any that'll prevent anyone from actually gaining access to credit information or or, or using using your credit score um, unless you do um, unless you unless you contact them in advance to lift the freeze on it. So like you know if you apply for a new credit card and there's a freeze on your uh, on your credit, they won't be able to run they won't be able to run your uh, run your information unless you've unless you've lifted it. Uh, unfortunately, there's no one-stop shop for doing this. You have to contact each one of them uh, separately, but it takes maybe 10 to 10 to 20 minutes to actually do that. All right, so I have an email before we go on to break here. Um, it is from... Mathalme. Mathalme. And she said... I think it's Mathalme is a he. He? I'm so sorry. I get it's confused okay, everyone... about my sex all the time, so I can confuse sexes <laughs> to everybody. It doesn't matter. So, <laughs> Such a fox. Anywho, um, or any whore, hello, Rue and Tugs, and any other guests that's in the studio. This is um, May, I mean, Ma Falma, Falme. Wow, I'm really butchering it today. The Lion. This, it, it's been a while since I've, uh, I have written in, but I find this week's topic interesting. I have multiple accounts uh, on F.A., one of my personal and one for my fursuit making company. But I never had a good experience on FA at all. I made my personal account when I joined the fandom five years ago, but I really never liked the, the way the website worked. I don't like the way you have, have to wait to upload more submissions. I do not like the way the site is structured it is not as well or a well organized site at all the fact that they get do i mean dost right denial serviced um so often makes me feel sketchy on the site's security i don't feel like any of my picture or art is safe so i post it if i posted it on the site I don't know how you guys feel, but that is my two cents. Thanks for reading and taking my opinion on F.A. Your fan from New York, um, May Fal <laughs> Ma Fal May. Sorry, Ma Fal May, right? Ma, Ma Fal May. May. Lion. What? We'll be back. Ah. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Get Psyched with Dr. Nuka. Take a second to think about your favorite hobby. That one thing that you would spend your days doing if you didn't have to worry about work, school, money, or any other of those pesky responsibilities. Got it? Good. Now imagine I'm going to give you the deal of a lifetime. I'm going to pay you to do that thing every day. Just sign on the dotted line and every day for the rest of your life, I'll send you a bag of money in exchange for doing that thing you'd like to do so much. Does it sound like a sweet deal to you? Or does something about it rub you the wrong way? Would you take this deal? This question involves the concept of motivation, the things that activate and guide our behavior. 
When psychologists talk about motivation, they generally divide it into two categories, extrinsic and intrinsic motivation. Extrinsic motivation means external incentives, things that influence our behavior from the outside. Money is a good example of an extrinsic incentive. If you want to make a person engage in some behavior, offer them money to do it. It's the logic behind a job. Most of us wouldn't spend 40 hours a week stocking shelves just for fun. But if you offer us money to do it, we're much more likely to do so. Extrinsic motivators can be positive, like doing things for rewards, fame, or attention. But they can also be negative, doing things to avoid threats, punishments, or disapproval. Either way, when you're extrinsically motivated to do something, you're doing it for reasons that come from outside of you. The opposite of extrinsic motivation is intrinsic motivation. These are things that we do for our own sake because we genuinely like to do them. There are hobbies or our passions, things that we do when left to our own devices without having to be bribed or threatened into it. Researchers like Ed Desi and Richard Ryan suggest that we're more likely to be intrinsically motivated by activities that give us a sense of control, that allow us to develop skills and field competence which allow us to foster close, meaningful relationships to others. So imagine a person who writes stories in their spare time. This writer gets to choose when and what they write about. Their writing skill likely improves over time, and chances are they form relationships with others who share their interest in writing. In other words, writing for this person is probably intrinsically motivated, not extrinsically motivated. So there's intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. At first glance, you might think the two are kind of interchangeable. After all, if someone's not intrinsically motivated, can't you provide them with some extrinsic incentive to encourage them to do it? But what if someone's already intrinsically motivated? What if they're already doing it because they like doing it? Does giving them an extrinsic incentive make them even more motivated to do it? This very hypothesis was actually tested by psychologists over 40 years ago in the study of preschool children. To start, the researchers put a bunch of magic markers at a table during recess. And what they found was that most of the children really liked playing with the magic markers. They thought it was cool and fun and it was intrinsically motivating for them. Now, in one of these classes, the researchers offered the children an extra reward. They said that, hey, if you keep playing with these markers, which they're already doing, you're gonna get a good player certificate and a gold star which when you're in preschool is the pinnacle of achievement. So sure enough, the children played with the markers and at the end of recess, they all got a reward as expected. Now in the other classroom, they were doing a similar thing, allowing the children to play with the markers, but these children didn't get any reward. They weren't offered a reward and they didn't receive one. So what do you think happened during recess the next day? Well, the children who got the reward the previous day were no longer playing with the markers. Why? Well, as far as those children were concerned, they were playing with the markers yesterday to get that gold star. And if they weren't going to get the gold star today, what was the point in playing with the markers? Their intrinsic motivation to play had been entirely replaced by this extrinsic motivation. On the other hand, the children who got no reward continued to play with the markers because it was still fun for them. It was still intrinsically motivating. The experiment and others since then shows that when you give people external rewards for something that they're already implicitly motivated to do, it can actually kill their implicit motivation. There's no faster way to kill someone's hobby 
and to pay them to do it. So why does this matter to furries? Well, when you think about it, we have a lot of creative people in our fandom. Artists, writers, musicians, YouTubers, fursuit builders. And for most of these folks, it starts off as a hobby, something they're intrinsically motivated to do in their spare time. But as their hobby slowly becomes their job, as they start taking on paid commissions and doing it professionally, it can actually cause them to lose their passion, that spark of interest in what used to be a very enjoyable activity for them. It's a real problem because intrinsic activities actually play a really important role in our well-being. People are happier when they get the chance to engage in activities where they have control, where they can develop skills that interest them and where they can forge meaningful relationships through their craft. And for many content creators, their craft used to be where they got all of that well-being from. Now it's their job. So for the content creators out there in the fandom, especially those who get paid for their work, make sure you take time for yourself. Work on a project that you're doing just for you, not for anyone else. Practice a skill that you want to learn. Spend time socializing with others who share your interests. Don't let that intrinsic motivation, that passion, be extinguished by external rewards. Don't lose your hobby to your job. This has been a quick look into motivation. I'm Dr. Nuka. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on Get Psyched. You're listening to For What It's Worth, brought to you by For What It's Worth Banking. When you think about making a deposit, think for what it's worth. The furry economy is such an unstable thing. In a world of uncertain marketplaces, For What It's Worth provides security, stability, and lubrication. Our financial wizards will make sure your transactions are protected. We even present options to diversify your portfolio. Buying artwork is one of the most lucrative investment opportunities we offer. For instance, try expanding into expansion. Why, with For What It's Worth banking, even a bear market is a good thing. After all, someone out there is into it. Your preferred artwork repository has suddenly closed up shop and you can't make your purchases or sales? No need to worry. We ensure our clients have a safety cushion by trading in multiple houses and on multiple markets. If the FA goes down, you can rest assured our brokers will keep going on the SF, the FN, the WSL, and even the VCL, no matter what. Concerned, more discerning eyes will look upon certain aspects of your portfolio unfavorably. Try investing somewhere with more relaxed regulations, like the IKBN. When there's a crash, don't listen to all the panicking, screaming voices calling for someone's head on a pike. Keep your cool and stick with For What It's Worth Banking. For What It's Worth Banking. Shut up and give us your money. And now for this week's code. It's a long one. 20, 8, 5, 23, 15, 12, 6, 15, 6, 23, 1, 12, 12, 19, 20, 18, 5, 5, 20, 12, 15, 22, 5, 19, 25, 15, 21. Good luck.
Okay, so we are back. And as Rue read before we went to break, one of the things that people were talking about is if the site is secure and if they should stay. So we have an email from Wolf. It says, hello again, Foa. Commander Wolf here, along with Slippy. I'm really glad we are talking about this. And so far, I haven't really heard this being talked about on any other podcasts. Anyway, my thoughts on people leaving FA just because of the fact that it has security issues seems pretty lame. Sure, it may be a good idea to have a backup on other sites, but people shouldn't continue to leave FA just because of these flaws. No site is 100% secure. Look at Facebook. They used to have an all-access password that would allow anyone who possessed said password to log into anyone's account. Obviously, that doesn't exist now, and people are still using Facebook. That's it, Wolf. P.S. Irrelevant fun fact. The last time my entire family went out to a Chinese restaurant, we were all given fortune cookies. But there was one extra cookie. My cousin took it, and we all took turns. And when it was his turn, the extra cookie said, oops, wrong cookie. True story. <laughs> so there's one one side of the coin, and then Rue has another side of the coin. Yes, this is from Leo the Artist. Thank you, Leo. Um, it says, damn, F-W-I-W, back at it again. For affinity, I have a lot of love and hate for this site. Now, I'm a guy that likes to branch out and get my name out there in the art community and FA, um, a wonderful place to do so. But personally, I don't like having corporate overlords ruling the site. A person would think with IMVU backing up FA, attacks wouldn't be too harsh as they were in the past. But I guess not. Sigh. I'm not the one to kick a dead horse or hit a low-hanging fruit, but it seems super repetitive and really not much of a surprise when it gets hacked anymore. Could I move to another site? Totally. But I got my roots here on FA, and I guess I'm riding it out till it comes to a crashing end. Sincerely, yours, Leo the Artist. All right, guys. Million dollar question. Should we leave FA? Should people leave FA? And this oh, is yeah. open to everybody. Who do you want to have go first? You know what? Let's go with Haku. Um, do I believe? Um, yes. And the reason being, because as it stands right now, this is not the first, second, or third time, you know, things have been at risk at FA. And due to, you know, admittedly maybe a small, maybe underpaid, or under-resourced IT staff can't keep up with some of the security holes popping up with with this site. And so if another, you know, image magic bug comes around, are they going to get to it in 12 hours before it happens again? I mean, I mean, I'm sure they've done little fixes of fixing, you know, password hashes, but it, I don't know. It just seems like how many times are you going to let someone kind of fail on you like this and keep on coming back? Uh, for me, this is Panda. Since I'm sitting right next to him, I'd answer next. Um, for me, we as a user, I consider myself really kind of... Um, I'll go where the artists are. Like, I have accounts on all the major platforms, and so if the artists that I follow transition to other platforms, I'll use those services. And I, I believe 
there's probably a lot of users that also feel the same way I do, which is I'll go where the where other friends and other people are. Um, I know that's not really a great answer, but if 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 people stay at the site, I have limited exposure and limited risk associated with the site and its data. So I'm just going to go where people are. All right, all right, Sin. Should people leave FA? You know, I, I, I think I'm with Panda on this one. Um, first of all, there's no real guarantee that any other website that is, you know, put up there for free by a bunch of furries on their spare time isn't going to have the same problems that FA does. You know, uh, I think Haku talked about, you know, when, you know most, most vulnerabilities are found on Windows machines. Um, a lot, a, a big part of that, I think, is that Windows is the most popular operating system, and, and you know, as as alternatives have gotten more popular, so is the incidence of vulnerabilities because now people are paying attention to it. And so, you know, if I, I don't really have a high degree of confidence that any other platform that becomes, you know, instantly the it place to be overnight, is isn't going to have the same problems that FA does. Um, you know. It's it's sort of on the services that are promoting themselves to to come out and say this is what we're you know this is what we're doing that's different and better. Uh, and I haven't really seen that you know uh, I, I I've seen a lot of you know we hate FA because of this that and the other, but there hasn't been a lot of evidence that shows that anyone else is any different. And so you know I don't have a lot of risk. Um, there's nothing on there. There's nothing on my FA that. I don't already have downloaded or backed up somewhere else. Um, if people move, you know, if, if the artists that I follow move, then sure, you know, I'll go somewhere else. But it, it seems to be more of a, it seems to be more of, of, of an FA and then other platforms rather than other platforms instead of FA now. Um, you know, I look at FA like I look at Facebook. I don't particularly like the service. I, I don't think it's that great. Um, I don't really like all of their practices, but there are people that there are people whom that's the only way I have to communicate with them, and so I'm going to stay there until you know un until that's not the case anymore. Just be careful. Okay, Rue, are you going to leave? Am I going to leave FA? Yep. Well, I mean, I don't really use my FA that much anyway, so I mean. I haven't even, I'll be honest with you, I haven't, e since the breach and stuff like that, I haven't even gone back to it to reclaim my account. Yet. I will, eventually, but I haven't done it yet, and I haven't gone through that process, and I know that it's probably going to be a pain to, to reclaim it, but, um, but yeah, that's where I'm at right now. I, I don't have my whole life on FA. Uh, I, I want to point out something. I know that this is a little bit off topic, but, but not really. My whole point is, is this. W I used to be so involved in um, Facebook. So involved to when my Facebook account got taken down, it was the end of the world for me. It was the end of my life. And if you ever put so much information or on FA or whatever, and that's your life, that's your soul, that's your character on there, then you know what? You're probably putting too much on that particular site. 
<laughs> so Tugs, are you are you leaving FA? I'm not going to close my account, but I've all, I've dramatically reduced my presence on FA since the IMVU acquisition, um, and that's that's a completely different topic. But but why? Um, well, I you know what? Once IMVU bought them, I I was I wasn't really a fan of what I thought the future of the site would look like, um, and combined with the site not really getting any kind of serious love. Um, and that's accounting for the fact that I understand this is being done by volunteers. Uh, I, I decided I to not have anything on there, so I pulled down everything. The only thing on there of mine is, like, I think a sketch in my icon. And whenever I commission artists, I explicitly stipulate, I do not want this piece put on FA. And that's simply because I, ha I haven't agreed with the way it's being run, which is my right to do so. Um, and especially now, with them not having good practices in place... I, I feel like I didn't lose much because I, I used um, LastPass. I don't know what my password was to FA. I still don't know it. But I know my LastPass password. And I have profiles elsewhere, and I'm happy to use those sites. Um, I would like to see more transparency from all the sites about what their security procedures are. There's a certain amount you can tell people. Obviously, you don't tell them everything. Um, and the one that becomes the most secure and has a good interface, you know, I'll have to choose between the two, and hopefully I'll opt for the more secure one like a smart person does. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm not going to close my account. But I don't really go to FA anymore. I stopped a long time ago. Any um, any info from the audio booth that anybody want to share? We're running out of time, but let's hear it. Yeah, well, um, the way I see it is that you're at a risk no matter where you go. I mean, I've gotten uh, those letters in the mail saying, you know, from companies, oh, your your uh, you know information has been compromised. Here's a year of free credit report, you know, services. You know, I've gotten it from, you know, the hospital I've gone to. I've gotten it from even the TSA. So, you know, you just really have to be smart. And, you know, for me, I had probably have 100 different, you know, websites that I sign into, but I have 100 different passwords, too. So it's just, you know, really protecting yourself. And I don't think leaving is going to make me any safer, you know, anywhere else I go on the Internet. Let's hear it. Um, I don't think I will be leaving either. It's simply and briefly, that's where all the art is. That is where the artists are. That is where I'm going to visit most, and that's where my porn is. <laughs> <laughs> thank, all right. Thank you, boss. So we're at the final segment here. We want to get a 30-second final thoughts from everybody. Um, so let's, let's fire this off. Let's go ahead and start with Haku. Um, be smart with your data when you're online, not just with FA, but with anything. And, you know, just be careful, even if I'm not telling you to leave FA or anything. Uh, I am for my own reasons, but, you know, just be, be smart with what, what you, you do with your data. Exposure. Exposure. This is Panda. I, I, can, I agree with those statements. You know, it is always good to, to, to know what your exposure is on the Internet. Um, obviously, I wish I had infinite time to talk about all the nifty little doohickeys that people can do to to make themselves more safe and secure on the internet but obviously we are we're being very very focused so i know that there's probably gonna be a lot of feedback you'll get about other methods which i know that there's tons uh, both on the user side as well as on the server side but i have to say users just need to assess the risk and know what they you know know what they're getting into with any service doesn't matter if it's fa or netflix all right, and Sin? So, <clears throat> real quick, there's a lot of information out there for 
people who want to learn better net security practices. Google has a page that's devoted to that. The Federal Trade Commission has a page for that. Just the information's out there. The steps aren't that hard. And if you think about it, you know, if you, you know, if, uh, some, some easy things, some easy steps that you can take will, will protect 80% of the risks uh, that are out there. And then, you know, that, 20, that, that remaining 20% are th probably things that, you know, there were, you know, people were never going to see in the first place. So get hit the low-hanging fruit, and, you know, you, you will make yourself noticeably safer. Housekeeping. No. Housekeeping. All right, everybody, it is the time for us to remind you that we want you to comment on our site. It's comment on F.A. Comment on Twitter. Comment on F.A.? I mean, for Affinity, wow. sorry. <laughs> what are you talking about? We don't have an F.A. site. I know we don't have an F.A. site, but, you know, I don't know. Good job. That you was just terrible. crashed and burned. So while you're commenting on our site, we'd also like to thank our wonderful support cast. Our support cast include our minions, such as Koru and Voss, who are currently making out in the audio booth. Thank you so much, you guys. And we also want to thank Firebreath for all of his amazing work here with us. Yep. We also like to thank all of the listeners that sent in an email today. Yes, you made me have to do a lot of work for our site posting, but that's okay, because we always give them the special thanks, you see. Yes, definitely. So we promised the mailbag this episode, and we're liars, sorry, um, just because of the length of this episode, and we wanted to stay real focused. Aftil and our anonymous email, we will read it next episode. We kind of have to, because the next topic is... It's the end. End of season, everybody. It's the end of For What It's Worth. Next no. episode is the last episode <laughs> for season five. It's the last episode <laughs> forever. No, we'll be coming back with the season six. Yay. Where's and there won't even be a break. Where's our yay clap button? Oh, you want that? Yeah. I've got that. Yay. Woo. So, yeah, we, uh, we will be doing the recap. So, please let us know what your favorite moments of the season were. Send them to us, and then we will put them all together, including Firebreath's fuck-ups. Yay! So Yay. please, again, send us what your favorite thing was from this whole season. What was your favorite episode? What's the craziest part of of the season that you want um, to hear, or that your favorite part was, or what you want to hear again? Um this is the end of the 100th episode season, which means it's going to become total shite at the end. No, no, we're not. We're not changing much. Don't worry. Ha, 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 ha. Yay, now we don't have to try as hard. Woo! Just kidding. <laughs> oh, so anything else that we need from them, Tugs? Um, Just live long, prosper, love each other. And wear pants when you listen to For What It's Worth. And that brings us to the end of this enlightening episode. So, gentlemen, thank you all for coming on. Seriously, I know that it's Friday and we all have things we want to go off and do. So I appreciate you taking some time out for uh, for the show. Do you guys have anything you would like to plug or anything you want to tell people about unrelated to the topic before we go? 
be excellent to each other and that's it. <laughs> uh, no, thank you very much for having me and uh, having both of us really, or having all three of us, I should say. Uh, I do appreciate the opportunity to be able to talk to you guys. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having. Yeah, thanks for having us on. And um, you know, just remember that the people that you're venting about on Twitter or whatever are are human beings. Uh, they have feelings, and these sites are in a lot of you know, in a lot of ways, a labor of love. And you know, be decent to them. This has been Rue. This is Tugs. And Karu. Moth. You guys have to do it too. Haku. And uh, Sin. <laughs> and you're listening to For, For What, what it's, it's Worth. They didn't do it. You guys still have to all say it in sync. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that can't right, happen. Do you want to do a one, two, three on it? That's so not going to happen. <laughs> okay, you all just have to say the show name. Just say it. Go. For what it's worth. <laughs> For what it's worth. worth. Yay! <laughs> Turn that recorder off. Goodbye, guys. <laughs>